What is crackalackin', Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you with a semi-immediate Rudy Gobert trade reaction. That just happened. That was a that was a thing, apparently. I did not see Rudy Gobert ending up in any way, shape, or form with the, the Timberwolves. We knew that they were kind of kicking the tires on pairing towns with a big, which, again, I think is fine. He's played with a big in the past. Towns gives you that malleability. So you certainly have the luxury to go ahead and um, try this out. It was just a, a stark opportunity cost, excuse me, to get my ducks in a row here. And I think that's where we begin. Let's just go over the trade details um, very quickly. So they're going to give up. The Wolves get Rudy Gobert straight out, has about four years, 170 left on his deal. The Jazz are getting four unprotected or four, three unprotected first round picks, 2023, 2025, 2027. They are also going to get Minnesota's 2029 top five protected first. In addition, they get a 2026 uh, pick swap, which is uh, a fairly big deal here as well. So that's, that's a lot. Um, that is just absolutely monstrous. And they're not done. They got Walker Kessler. He was drafted 22nd overall just now. They also get Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly's expiring contract, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, two years left on his deal. He was very good defensively last year. Um, super team-friendly contract right now. And then Leandro Balermo, the dollar-for-dollar dollar matchup here is just basically even. And so the Wolves, uh, they don't really get any closer unless I'm mistaken here to the tax line or anything along, along those lines, what they can do now is still use the biannual. They used most of their mid-level, I believe, or all of it on Kyle Anderson. Um, not having Vanderbilt there, I think makes the Kyle Anderson fit even better. You have him and Jaden McDaniel. So that is something to consider. Uh, this is about two teams. Let's just start. I'm, we're going to start the Timberwolves because they're the team that's taking the huge swing here. Uh, I didn't think Rudy Gobert was going to go for this much. I mean, you're giving up essentially control over five of your first round picks, but four of your picks for sure. And trading out draft picks as far as 2029. I think I mentioned this on another pod. You definitely were emboldened to make a move like this. Once Carl Anthony town signed his five year extension. Um, this is just a lot to invest in two bigs in today's NBA. And it's not, I'm not Mr. You know, has to be small ball. Everyone needs to be a force spacing five. Carl Anthony Towns, the beauty of him is this can absolutely positively work. And I think, I honestly think during the regular season, it's probably going to be amazing. I could see the Wolves having a top 10 defense and offense, maybe even better um, both ways there as well. I mean, just having Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels on your team, uh, that's going to help you with on the perimeter defensively. Anthony Edwards got better there as well. And then Rudy Gobert just behind them. I'm not as worried about Carl Anthony Towns defending fours or wherever they're going to stash him. Um, he probably struggled most as that primary guy. If you're going to force him to go after someone who can um, set a bunch of screens, roll hard to the basket, play super physical, Regal bear, or if you're asking Carl Anthony towns to make all these difficult decisions away from the ball of, of when to rotate, to go after guys who are attacking the lane, Regal bears just better built to do that. And I think he's received a, a pretty shitty knock when it comes to, Oh, he gets played off the court or he's not switchable enough. He just didn't have help in front of him in Utah. I think even the base that's in front of him in Minnesota is already better than what he had in Utah the past few years. Like I mentioned, Kyle Anderson, Jane McDaniels, and even just Anthony Edwards to have that type of defensive playmaker that the, the Jazz really just didn't have. So I'm actually not concerned about the fit 
defensively that much. I think Towns will be able to be on shooters, and I still think there are a lot of four spots in today's NBA uh, where that person isn't. Resp- it's not that that person isn't responsible for anything, but the role, um, the, the their role is not going to be just as expansive. And I'm sorry, I'm reading a comment that came through. I'll throw those up on the board if you have questions and you're struggling in here. Feel free to to throw them at me. So I'm actually like I'm okay with that. And then when you're looking at the offensive side of the ball, Carl Anthony Towns, this is why he's amazing. He's going to space the floor. He can put the ball on the, on the floor. Um, he can work out of the post if you if want him to, but he doesn't need to. And that's going to allow you to let Rudy Gobert be used as the primary screener in a lot of actions. I wouldn't be surprised if we're just going to see dual big pick and rolls at some point with Towns maybe as the ball handler. I think he's improved both as the ball handler and a passer that much that fuck it, try it. Um, Rudy Gobert still catching lobs like from Anthony Edwards. I don't know what this means for D'Angelo Russell. That would be something to consider. Um, but there is a pathway to where if the you know the Wolves are willing to pay for this team, I don't know about moving forward, but next season, you don't have to move D'Angelo Russell now. Um, I know you want to turn some of the keys over maybe to Anthony Edwards. He's earned that right. But we know D'Lo is super close with Towns, and I think that matters. This was that's the Towns has given you two luxuries here that I don't think I've seen enough about. He signed his extension, so you were emboldened to make this type of play without having to worry about his future. And the fact that he's so functionally malleable, pliable on offense, and just so dominant, uh, that allows you to go after the Rudy Gobert acquisition. Where I start to wonder, or I'm at least curious, it's not morbidly curious, I'm more so fascinated by what's going to happen here. Um, just the money. That's a not just, but one of them. That's a lot to allocate to the front court right now. In the final year of Rudy Gobert's deal, uh, which is 2024, 2025, or is that? No, it's 2025, 2026. I'm sorry. You're going to be paying about $100 million to him and Carl Anthony Towns. That's just a lot to allocate to two players in general. And when they're both sort of in your front court, I'm curious to see how that impacts their approach to team building from here out. Um, you definitely want to have as many just like switchable defender types in, in front of them and then surround them by three-point shooting and a, a capable ball handler. You already have a lot of that in place. I think you could stand to get more of that. Um, Patrick says with the picks given, Minnesota should have been able to move off the DLO contract. I don't actually think the DLO contract is a problem, Patrick. It's it's an expiring deal. And he was, you know, not always great in the postseason last year, but I thought he was actually really good for Minnesota overall. And that he was toggling between sort of two different offensive existences in a, in a good way last year. So, and they, they still need, Look, I love Anthony Edwards. I think he is going to eventually be the um, the engine that drives Minnesota's offense. At the same time, like if you're Minnesota, you want to still have the primary playmaking type on this. It wasn't going to be Patrick Beverly if that was the alternative. You have a secondary guy in Kyle Anderson, um, and now you have D'Angelo Russell. So he's still really important to, to what you're going to do. And I just, as a as an expiring contract, I don't have an issue with uh, them keeping him. Um, Paul, I'm going to get to your question shortly when we get to the jazz, but to finish up on them or continue on with the wolves. Um, so there's, there's that money. What does that mean? Are they less likely to keep deal now beyond this season into this season through the season, but definitely after next season, I do think you probably look at this and you have Edwards and Delo. It'd be nice to have a, a different type of, of playmaker there if you're in Minnesota as well. So that is, is something to monitor. And then the other thing is just the playoffs. Um, defensively that's where it could get rough where opponents are going to be better. And they're also going to be, have more time to come up with schemes where you can kind of go after them and attack them. 
Uh, that could be where you can't really play Carnathan Towns and Rudy Gobert together down the stretch of games where teams are maybe looking to downsize drastically to see if they're going to mismatch you. They're not going to go away from their lineup or substitution patterns, you know, in a regular season game in February on the second night of a back-to-back, but in a playoff series, assuming the Wolves are going to get there, that's something you absolutely have to worry about. Can Carnathan Towns um, defend fours? And then the even bigger question, what are teams going to do with Gobert on offense. And I saw Matt Moore of action network point this out on Twitter. Do you have the guts, the gall to bench Rudy Gobert down the stretch of tight games? It's not a Rudy Gobert ego thing though. It could be it's you have a shit ton of money tied up in this player. Are you willing to make that call? If it's best to have Carl Anthony towns as your lone big, we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but I think there's a pathway to this fit being dominant and especially during the regular season like i said it wouldn't surprise me if and i might even be putting i don't know what the ceiling is but it feels like a 60th percentile outcome on this team next year if, if the current personnel kind of sticks and they remain healthy is a top 10 defense with a top 10 offense and that's where you want to be um overall i i i think you don't have to worry about much from the Timberwolves perspective of the players you gave up. Beasley might've been, he had a rough year last year, still sort of valuable spacing. I'm not a huge proponent of Patrick Beverly. He was definitely a, a culture tone setter there, but Tim Connolly clearly didn't give a fuck. Um, and he just personally, he look, uh, I hope Timberwolves fans are, man, Patrick Beverly just annoys the hell out of me. Still, um, the players they gave up just Jared Vanderbilt was really good, but between Kyle Anderson and Rodrigo bear, like you've made up for that now and you were never going to play, I don't even think you wanted to play Jared Vanderbilt and Kyle Anderson together. So, and Jared Vanderbilt functioned like a center on offense this, last year. You could point to the time that Cat spent with Taj Gibson as well. Um, he can play on off. It's not. It's not going to be a problem on offense. If anything, the the Timberwolves get a little bit better depending on how you feel about their perimeter talent. Um, just because Rudy Gobert is one of the most devastating screeners and lob catchers in the NBA. I don't know what's going to happen. How many screens is he like? I I think the offense is just going to be fine. And if anything, I, I feel like they have a higher ceiling maybe on defense than offense now, uh, just because you have Rudy, who's like a system unto himself and just anything from the you know free throw line below, he just can take care of and that frees you up to do a whole bunch of different aggressive stuff on the perimeter. And he's also just has more guys who are going to be active and can be active than he did in Utah last season. So I think that that's going to end up being a home run for them. I get a little bit, you know, uh, could the Timberwolves now use more shooting? How much are they playing Kyle Anderson together with Rudy Gobert? Um, can Jane McDaniels even hit a higher, not even a higher clip of his threes, but shoot them at a higher volume? Those are just, you take those concerns in a vacuum, but wait against the opportunity cost of all those picks. Um, it's a risk. I respect it. I don't necessarily endorse it. I, it's not even that I don't endorse it. I don't think this was a gross mistake right now, but it has the potential to really go belly up and if i were the timberwolves we don't know how accessible this was i probably would have preferred to dip my toe into these waters by saying like hey can we get a miles turner and try him next to um carl anthony towns rudy gobert better player overall much better player transcendent defender i think turner doesn't receive enough credit for we know his rim protection but i think he's better out in space when you look at his mobility than people have talked about offensively he's just as limited, maybe more limited, just because do you trust him as a screener and a roller as much as Gobert? No, you trust him to shoot threes, and that's really about it. You don't want to see him put the ball on the floor just like you don't want to see um, to, or post up, just like you don't want to see Rudy Gobert put the ball on the floor or or really post up. Um, William Verlaine, if I'm pronouncing it, sorry, says Kyle Anderson already improved the offensive ceiling, especially with some very bad play 
decisions we have seen in the playoff round against Memphis. Yeah, definitely hurts their helps their turnover issues for sure. I just, from a spacing perspective, I think they've downgraded here overall, but we'll see. They have the rest of their roster to kind of figure out, and they're still, they can use the biannual too, and there might be some shooting floating around out there. That would be, this would be a fun as hell TJ Warren team if he, if he is healthy. So again, I don't, I don't think this was a bad trade. It has the potential to go belly up. I'm more risk averse though, and I know you need to take big swings. I just wonder if there was sort of another, it's not because Carl Anthony Towns, and Miles Turner would both shoot threes using them as an example. If you said that they traded for, for Steven Adams just because of the shorter term investment on the contract or a Jakob Pertle who has one year left on his deal with the Spurs, I don't know how accessible those players were to them. And maybe look, Tim Connolly's the guy who drafted Rudy Gobert. Maybe you just wanted to, to go after him. If that's his guy, that's his guy. If he really believes in this, it's, it's not a bad move. It's not hard to understand. I'm just more risk averse to where I might've considered or more heavily explored the lesser alternatives just to see like how it looks on defense. But maybe you just trust Gobert's defense that much. And we're going to see how that works out from here. Um, if you have any other questions about the wolves implications of this, feel free to, to hit us in the chat really. Well, not really quickly. I want to give them their due time. I gave like 10 plus minutes to uh, the Timberwolves here. Um, Paul freed asks. How far has Utah drop in the defensive rankings with a rookie head coach and no Gobert? No Royce O'Neal either. I'll just point out uh, he was not great last year, but again, put him in like a more. Oh, you said that, Paul. I apologize. I didn't mean to correct you there, but Royce O'Neal was still good. I think that uh, Brooklyn, if they keep him, actually did quite well with that trade. Um, I'm going to say like, is this a, we have to see what the rest of these moves are, but when you look at what's left in the jazz roster right now, their best defender is Jared Vanderbilt and then maybe Patrick Beverly in that order. Um, so yeah, their defense is not going to be great. We have to see what other moves they make. This is not going to be the, the only move we see from them. I'd be, I'd be shocked. Let's put it this way. So they struggled. And when you even look, they were, if you going by, I don't like doing this comparison, but they were the best defense in the league with Gobert on the court. And yet you still finish barely in the top 10, ninth overall in points allowed per possession um, per cleaning the glass. Uh, I would argue if they are outside the bottom 10 right now without any like huge changes, uh, they've overachieved just uh, <laughs> just with just with that personnel. I mean, just between Conley slipping Donovan Mitchell, does he make a uh, does he make a leap uh, on defense after having uh that might've been the worst defensive season of his career this past season to the point where it's like, you were watching Devin Booker the entire time. And that's a fun debate fans have had, or maybe a contentious one. And they're just like, no, Devin Booker is the much better defender. Now I'm, if the jazz are better than bottom 10 in defensive rating, um, they've overachieved with this person. Maybe they make other moves or Jared Vanderbilt turns into his own defensive player of the year candidate. Um, Quickly to segue back to the Timberwolves, Christian says, I think Malik is the biggest loss, but there should be able to find shooters out there. Kyle Anderson's a combination of Vanderbilt and Beverly, better skill that can guard the one to four. I don't love that comparison um, just because there's just, Kyle Anderson's a better passer than Patrick Beverly, I think, and even just a better decision maker. Patrick Beverly is sort of, if you wanted some situational driving and spot up shooting, uh, but he has the same, when you're looking at the positional scope, like, yeah, I could see a little comparison to Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's like, if, if caffeine took bodily form, that is the way that Jared Vanderbilt plays. Um, for the Jazz, though, Woj said, or it's been reported, they plan to rebuild or retool, whatever the fuck they're calling it. I don't care about the verbiage there around Donovan Mitchell. 
Um, I have been on the record and I would still maintain it doesn't make sense for Donovan Mitchell to request a trade. He has so much time left on his contract um, that you're taking any leverage you have completely out of your hands. I think next summer's at the earliest that he could do that. And if you're him, you didn't like Rudy Gobert to begin with, and maybe you're a little bit more intrigued of kind of being the unquestioned guy. And let's see where this thing is headed, knowing what Danny Ainge did in Boston when he tore them down. Again, there are other moves that really need to be made. And as John uh, John Doe says in the chat, um, so OG and Thad and three unprotected first for Donovan Mitchell. Um, that would be interesting for Toronto. But isn't Donovan Mitchell on the smaller end? He's neither six seven nor with a seven foot wingspan for Toronto. So I think I think they feel like they're gonna um, uh, be be very. Uh, he's not big enough. I'm sorry. I'm reading things as I'm trying to talk here. But yeah, so I don't know if this is going to be a complete do-over for the Jazz, but you absolutely have to consider it, even if it's to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell. They have the All-Star game next year, which is why I would also be a little bit surprised if they moved Mitchell now, just as I would be less surprised if Mitchell was the one to... I guess I'll phrase it this way. I'd be less surprised if Donovan Mitchell tries to agitate his way out than I would if Utah just actively decided under their own volition to, to tear it down right now. That being said, I do wonder their stomach for tearing it down around Donovan Mitchell, because they are like, if the Lakers just came knocking and said, and it's a, almost a perfect salary match, we'll give you two swaps, 26 and 28, 27 and 29 first outright unprotected and Russ for Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich. If you actually are rebuilding, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that? Just because there are distant picks, but like you have imminent picks now too. So you take those distant picks and you sort of just continue to stockpile. And it's what Danny Ainge did um, when he was with, when he was with um, uh, Boston and they sort of fleeced Brooklyn there. Uh, John does make a good point with Utah that they did just trade both of Donovan's friends. Yeah. They're, they, they're not resigning Eric Pascal and they got rid of Royce O'Neal. Um, but that's Donovan Mitchell is still just under contract long-term and you could probably sell him on a vision around him. They have Dwayne Wade there for a reason, I imagine, and are giving him such a voice for that. I honestly don't know. My guess would be that look, as of right now, it doesn't seem like Donovan Mitchell wants to be in Utah. Like that's just long-term. Um, if you're the jazz though, maybe he's giving you a chance or you've been able to, he has to be informed of this. I don't buy that. He didn't know Quinn Snyder was going to walk away. Everyone around the league knew that that was going to happen. So Maybe they sold him on this vision. Maybe they still move him. And this is just a way of drumming up the, the ask. And speaking of which, if Rudy Gobert got this much, how much does Donovan Mitchell get? Even if you think Rudy Gobert is the better player, Mitchell is younger, operates from the point of attack, more desirable. And on top of that, I don't mean to turn everything into Kevin Durant, but if Rudy Gobert got this much, what the hell is Kevin Durant going to get in trade discussions? Um, digressing there. So I don't know what this means for the Jazz, but clearly Jordan Clarkson who, by the way, the fact that he loves to be in Utah, I almost don't want to move Jordan Clarkson if I'm the if I'm the Jazz. Are you getting a first-round pick for him? I, I actually don't think he would. He's not someone who's actively going to hurt your rebuilding chances. The vibes I get from him, how much he seems to really love being in Utah, use that guy as, like, your cultural benchmark. Like, make that make that guy um, – make that guy – sorry, my, my phones are going off. Make that guy your, your guy. He'd be a low-key good free agent recruiter. Um, but yeah, I think, look, towards what Mort Ganick is saying in here, you trade everyone except, I guess, Mitchell, even if you're going to keep him, should not be untouchable on this roster. It's Clarkson. Uh, it's it's Mike Conley. What can he still get you? It's Boyan Bogdanovich going into the final year of his deal. Uh, Clarkson and, I think, 
um, Boyan Madonovich specifically, if you don't believe Clarkson's going to pick up his player option next season, there are going to be teams that probably want to take flyers on them. Those are the three pieces to really players. I hate referring to them as pieces. Sorry. Um, those are the three players to really watch here, though, is just Mike Conley. Um, he does have that fat guarantee on the second year. There are two years left on his contract, and 14.3 million of his 24.4 million are guaranteed. I think teams will think twice about that. But just him, Boyan Madonovich, Jordan Clarkson, like those are. Those are players I would expect at least one of them to be rerouted. If they all start the season in Utah, uh, I will actually be, that would surprise me a ton here. And uh, I don't, John Doe, I don't know if you're a jazz fan um, because you're very receptive to the Westbrook trade, but that's, that's how you should be thinking. I don't know if that's on the table, but you have to be able to get, I would think if you're giving up players who can actually play for the Lakers in Conley and Boyan, it's not just a matter of swallowing Russ's salary. Um, and you can get even the two first outright. I'm trying to get as as many um, pick swaps here. I also didn't mention, I'm like not accounting for Utah's new players here. So they have Malik Beasley. They have Jared Vanderbilt. They have, and I'll throw this question in the chat that Antoine has. Um, they have Patrick Beverly. I don't. Uh, I think those are all trade candidates as well. Uh, Beverly is on the expiring contract. Malik Beasley has two years left. There could be a team that's willing to take a flyer on him. If you're going to kind of get away from defense though, um, it does make some sense to keep Donovan Mitchell and then just a, a fuck ton of shooting. And that's what they have. When you look at Beverly, uh, when you look at Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Malik Beasley, roll with that model. You still need to like change up your front court depth here. That was always an issue. Um, but now you have like Jared Vanderbilt and then, you know, Rudy Gobert. How many minutes is he playing on this roster right now? So Vando can be traded again. Uh, so the, the jazz are over the cap right now. It's so like, he is one, unless I'm mistaken, I do fancy myself really knowledgeable of the NBA CBA, but I don't think he could be aggregated for a while. It's not that long. Like you could do it before the, the season begins. I believe uh, that he, or he could just be traded on his own. I don't know if a team's going to give you a first round pick for him, maybe a contender who really wants defense and it's a you know top 20 protected or, or something. Um, that's the route they need to go though. If they are planning on being competitive is, can they get some defense in here? Even just, you know, more truer wings at this point. I thought about, and I've thought about him a lot for every team, like Josh Richardson would help out the jazz a ton. If they're, um, if they're looking to like actually remain competitive around Mitchell. Uh, so that's a, a name that they could look at. I don't know what you give up to get him. Uh, the Spurs are rebuilding themselves and I'm not giving up a first for, uh, I'm not giving up a first for Josh Richardson. Definitely not if I'm the, the jazz. Um, but I, I, I'm so curious to know where their direction is. And if it's, if it's not tearing it down around on Mitchell, this is really a retooling, um, which I find it funny when front offices phrase it that way through the media. Um, what, what does that look like? Because like there are more moves to be made here. And I think the only assets that I think you get net positive value for in a trade aside from Mitchell right now, after moving Gobert, is Bojan Bogdanovich might be the only one for me. It's 19, six is a, is a big number for him, but it's his last year and he's just, he's bigger than Jordan Clarkson. I'm a more efficient three point shooter. Clarkson gives you more off the dribble pizzazz. So I guess it's one of them, but like, I don't think Malik Beasley's deal is viewed as favorable around the league right now, especially after the season that he's coming off. It's reasonable. Look, two years, 32 million basically left um, a team option on the final year. I forgot about that. So he's basically expiring. Wow. The jazz really drummed up their flexibility here. I did not, I, for some reason, I thought Malik Beasley had two years left on his deal that were guaranteed. So um, that makes it even better for the Jazz. But now you can move these players, and I think it's 
um, for other assets or you, like I said, they're all useful. They didn't get a single player here. It was just uh, dead money. Um, did they do this to maybe open up like any minutes for uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker? No, because that's not the player you traded. You didn't have some big man prospect in waiting. You have Jared Vanderbilt has this path to a crap ton of playing time. And uh, that's it. Like that's the only thing that you've really opened up here, which is why I think it makes the rest of their offseason fascinating. Um, I would be curious to know what you could get for Beverly. If anything, he might become a midseason buyout candidate for all I know. Uh, but again, if you are trying to remain competitive, having Beverly off your bench behind Conley and Mitchell, like it makes some sense. My gut would tell me though, that they don't go into the regular season with Mitchell, Beverly, Jordan Clarkson, and Mike Conley on this roster. That's just, when you also have Malik Beasley, who's more of a swingman than a wing, that's just a lot of like non wings to have on, on your roster. So they've opened up a ton of cap space moving forward. Utah is not a free agency destination, yada, yada, yada. We've also kind of seen, and I think this is what this is dovetails with what Minnesota is doing nicely. And then the Jazz's future. I think we've also seen that players aren't going to hit free agency like they used to. They're going to sign their extensions and then figure out a way to, to be moved later, or the teams are just going to move them later. Anyway, we've seen it just a bunch of times now with the way extension eligibility has worked. Maybe that changes in the next CBA, but for now, the way to get players is via trade or through the draft. And so if you're a team that's not going to be bad enough in the draft, a la the Minnesota Timberwolves, the trade might be your best option, which is why you're compelled to give up so many picks, in my opinion, by the way. I'm not trying to spew this all as fact. Um, all right, this is too far. Interrupting. John Doe says, Gobert's awesome for basketball in 1982. No, Gobert's awesome for basketball now if you have the right talent in front of him. I think the Wolves are going to do a better job of making him look great than the Jazz did um, in certain instances, even though the playoff minutes are concerned just with what does Towns do on defense or how does that work on offense? I think, I think that's too strong there, John Doe. But so you're, you're Minnesota. You're not bad enough still. You're not good enough to contend for a title as is but you weren't bad enough to be like, oh, we can trust we're going to be in cornerstone territory for the draft. That leaves trades if you don't expect players to hit free agency. And also as Minnesota, that leaves trades anyway because you're never this hot button free agency destination in the first place, which is why you are compelled to give up so many picks. Now for the Jazz's part, um, you're flipping Rudy Gobert for either bites at the draft apple because that's how you believe you're going to get Donovan Mitchell's Cole star um, in the draft. Or you're just loading up for the future because maybe you have to go all in one of these days and make this type of trade. So that's where that draft equity, it seems like, I think it was, I'm forgetting the name on Twitter. Someone tweeted this out that if he, uh, it was Neil Payne said, he feels like first round picks are being thrown around the NBA sort of like, um, can't, I, I mean, fair enough. John Doe says he wouldn't rock in uh, John Doe and 82. Yeah, he would, he'd be great, but he's great for basketball. Now is my point. All it's all good here. I'm not, I'm not trolling you. I swear. Um, so I, I think that's why we're seeing picks thrown around so much is like trades are the best mechanisms to get players right now. And the haul for this on Rudy Gobert, when I think a lot of look, there are bulls fans. You should have seen if you didn't just trade proposals that were coming out of bulls fans, bulls media, just smart NBA people who thought it was like Vooch and Williams and minimal draft equity because Gobert had one hundred and seventy million left on his contract. That's not a great contract, but like, unless the Timberwolves were bidding against themselves here. This leads me to believe that there were second best bids that were at least like, if not in the vicinity, but more than we thought Rudy Gobert was going to get in general. So I think the jazz did well here. Uh, if they are actually looking to rebuild rather than retool around Mitchell, because I don't want to necessarily see them turn around and trade these picks for another player. Um, that type of player doesn't seem like he's, he's available 
Um, JB, J Busy Brown says, at least everyone will see how shit Mitchell is now. I don't, I mean, I don't think Mitchell is shit. I've seen it going around that there are some who think Tyler Hero is going to be better for him or would be better for Utah if the Miami Heat uh, strike a trade. I, I don't see it. Like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on Tyler Hero, but I think Mitchell's a, a damn good player who needs to get better on defense. Um, probably needs to make more strides as a passer. But when you look at the multi level shot making he gives you, um, that's, that's huge. And it's, it's just, like he's someone he's the archetype of player that I think a lot of teams would want to build around right now, which is why I think the best example of this would be if you, if you went to the Knicks at this moment, I guarantee you're getting at least four first round picks for Donovan Mitchell, even though they just signed Jalen Brunson and that backcourt would be a disaster if they played it together, uh, probably would be fine offensively, but it would be a disaster. Otherwise, um, that's the value he's going to have. If you, if, if you offered, this is the best offer that he can give for Donovan Mitchell. If they figure out a way to unprotect that pick from OKC, you offer Nikola Jovic and then three future firsts, 2023, 2027, 2029, plus Tyler Hero. So those five assets right here, plus Duncan Robinson, I think that all makes the money work. If you went to Miami right now and offered that for Donovan Mitchell, they're 100% accepting that. That's how good uh, Mitchell still is. And I hopefully he'll get better on defense. Um, will that happen in Utah? Will it happen next season? I honestly, I don't know, but this is, we're talking about someone who's at worst, like a fringe all-star and he's more all-star than not to me. Uh, Paul free did ask, join the stream late is Gobert plus cat on the floor going to be an issue for perimeter defense. So yeah, I did. I don't want to repeat myself there too much. Um, for people who actually listen to this as a podcast, but I do believe they'll be fine during the regular season because when you look at fours in the NBA, sometimes they can still be like these playmaking wings that they've downsized or playmaking bigs. But a lot of the times they don't have as functional a role as the center or an actual wing. And so I'd point to this might be an extreme, but look at a John Collins where when he's playing with Capella, another big, he's going to be doing a lot of spot up work. He's not even a primary screener. That's stuff that Cat can handle. Even if it's Harrison Barnes in Sacramento, if it's not someone who's going to be moving a, a crap ton without the ball, um, Towns is probably going to be okay with that. Now, if he, he's on Keegan Murray and Keegan Murray's flying around more in Sacramento, those are going to be issues. I'm really curious to see what that looks like in the playoffs, though, when teams are going to be more inclined to manipulate their lineup and substitution patterns based off matchups and they have more time to dig into each individual matchup and what happens if you do face this is going to be a regular season problem too what if you ex face extreme downsizing there rudy gobert is not going to get played off the court if you have let's say two of mcdaniels edwards and anderson on the floor in that situation but what does that mean for towns it, it could be an issue and i do think it could also be an issue more so in the playoffs but crunch time offense are you willing to maybe go with only one of those guys and instead of both that would be that would be something that they have to look at and i don't know if you're you know if if you're the wolves i'm i'm not sure that you trade rudy gobert and extend carly towns with the intention of ever having to bench one of them down the stretch but it's something that you could realistically need to to consider and i think that's really like that's the gist of this for these two teams and they're both headed in different directions and this was their best opportunity to capitalize on said directions and i think it's it's more important um i think the stakes are higher for minnesota here because teams can sell rebuilds if you're um utah whether it's a rebuild that's retooling and you still haven't even exhausted all of your asset wells um just yet but like for the timberwolves this is this is the hand that you played um unless you think that d'angelo russell is going to get you a big time return on the on the the trade market um, you've punted on cap space in the future, which again is fine. Anthony Edwards is going to get paid. Carl Anthony Towns is already paid. 
Um, they're like Rudy Gobert's. I'm going to tell you right now, Rudy Gobert is way better than anyone else you would have signed with the idea of cap space in 2023. That's just that's how free agency is working now. So I get what Minnesota is doing, but the risk here feels like it's it's on them way, 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 way more than it is for Utah. And I don't know what to predict for Utah now. I, I almost thought that them going, you know, detonating it was smoke and mirrors. And I kind of thought they would make moves, but they wouldn't go nuclear. They're on the precipice of going nuclear. I mean, trading your best player or second best player probably counts as nuclear. It's, it's seismic for sure. But what happens from now is this, we're going to see how much they're planning on retooling versus rebuilding. Not just what happens with Donovan Mitchell, but what happens with Conley, Boyan Magdanovich, um, Jordan Clarkson. And then, like I said, uh, the fact that you still have Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, those guys. I think Vando, like, just keep him at this point. That contract is so good. And you need someone who gives a fuck about defense on this team. And Patrick Beverly does too, but I would be kind of surprised if he's going to finish the season in Utah as well. So I think this trade easily justifiable for both sides to sort of put a bow on this. If there are any other questions, since there are a bunch of people here, throw them in the chat and I'll stick around for a few more minutes. Um, but I like it for the jazz because they, um, they, I think they were stale. And so if you weren't going to be able to acquire another star, um, do I think that they messed up by maybe not going all in on different sorts of trades than trying to hit these like doubles or triples? They got Conley. Like they did eventually make it. Um, the fact that they could never address their like defense at the three and the four capably, that's definitely something to hang up on. But you were stale. You needed to shake things up. If this leads you to trade down to Mitchell or just rebuild around Mitchell, fine. Now, if you're trying to straddle the line, this is where I would take issue. If you think that these picks are um, the avenue through which you can just go and trade for more players and be good with Mitchell, I don't think Danny Ainge thinks that way. And Winhorst, uh, Brian Winhorst is now a legend for uh, what he said on first take about how the Jazz operated this season. It's not something I thought about, but when you have Hardy there, you um, you clearly show that you were more about the bigger picture than the immediate. And so I do think that this is more of a rebuild around Mitchell or eventually after next season, independent of Mitchell. Um my light went off here and I, I don't have the, I have a plug here that I can actually plug it back in. So I'll plug that back in very quickly. Please excuse my face leaving the frame. Um, the Dave man asked, what are the thoughts about this evolving into a 14 trade with the Suns and the Pelicans? What are the Pelicans doing uh, in this trade? If any, if you want to get back to me with that, I don't know if you're trying to fold it into a Deandre Ayton sign and trade. It is, it gets weird. There's all sorts of moving parts here. And the way for anyone who hasn't thought about base year compensation, effectively, if the team that is getting Aiton, so let's say Utah, is maxing out Aiton as part of this deal, Aiton counts as $30.5 million in incoming salary. For Phoenix's purposes, though, he only counts for half of that in salary, in outgoing salary. So they can take back up to, let's say, like, I think it's like 19-ish million, million. It's a little less or a little bit more than that. Um, I have the numbers written down my spreadsheet, but fuck it. Um, so it's a little less or a little bit more than that. And he's getting 30, and you're not dealing with two other teams that have any real cap flexibility who are also with, this was an even money trade basically at the moment. There's not a ton of flexibility there. You would have to expand it. Um, and I don't, like, is there a chance? Yes, but I think, I don't know why the Pelicans would be involved. Uh, like I said, if you want to comment again on what the actual structure was for you. I also, look, I'm just going to say to this, I see Paul Freed said Utah gets Aiton. Um, and then there's a three-team trade where Brooklyn sends DA to, to with with Brooklyn that sends DA to, to Utah. So you're saying Utah, Brooklyn, and Phoenix strike a trade. That's more feasible. 
Uh, I'm just going to call it right now. I have no, no, no idea why Utah would go from, we don't want to pay Rudy Gobert four years, 170, but we're okay going a max 30.5 million on DeAndre Ayton. That just doesn't make, uh, I'm turning my life back on, please forgive me. Um, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think that any, I know, uh, I think it was John Gamadoro who is plugged in in Phoenix said that the jazz have interest in Aiton. That would shock me. And I think it would be stupid to just go max out Aiton right now. Uh, Chris Meyer said, I'm assuming this is in reference to how many picks Minnesota gave up first round picks in the twenties have about a 3% success rate. I don't know if that's accurate. I understand that we over romanticize first round picks, but you're also assuming that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to be a top 10 NBA team right now through 2029. That's not a, it's not maybe towns is young. Edwards is young, but like you're, we're talking, these picks go out past Rudy Gobert's prime. That's where, that's where the risk is. And then there's risk on the actual pairing. This isn't a no brainer fit. I think DeJounte Murray is probably a cleaner fit in Atlanta with Trey. than we know about Rudy and Carl Anthony towns. I think, Towns and Gobert have the higher ceiling together, but also have the lower floor. So that gets really weird. I do not think Aiden should end up in Utah. That would be just, I I don't, I don't get it. Like, so you have Mitchell and Aiden, that's the thought. And I, I suppose you've turned Rudy Gobert into other picks. So you go out and then get, depending on what Aiden costs you, you then go out and get other guys to make the team better immediately. If you told me what are the subsequent other moves there, fine. But how much, of this package are you eating into to get Aiton in the first place? Like you're either sending let's use. And I think look, Paul's uh, freeze idea of like using uh, Utah, Brooklyn and, and Phoenix in a Kevin Durant trade, I'm assuming to get Aiton to, um, to Utah. That makes a lot more sense because I think you can make the case that Brooklyn's in the same boat, except they don't have the other temple star um, Kyrie's whatever he's gone or like blah, 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 blah. Do you view Ben Simmons still as that player? I think at this point, a lot of people are going to believe Donovan Mitchell is closer to being um, an incumbent cornerstone than Ben Simmons is, which is just totally fair. So if you're Brooklyn, you could talk to yourself and, okay, well, instead of Aiton, we just want more picks, which the Jazz can send us, and then we'll make the money work. They have expiring contracts. How many uh, – I mean, yes, Chris, it's it's top 25 protected. It's awesome. You could be the sixth worst team in basketball and end up with the sixth pick. Like, that's not – there's a risk there. It's I don't know what the uh, – and I'm not even yelling at Chris. I'm not sure what the point here is. You've given up three unprotected picks, a very loosely protected fourth pick, and then an unprotected swap. That's the equivalent to me of four unprotected picks at least. But you've essentially given up control almost the five years of your draft. So it's a risk. I'm not saying it's a bad one. It's a it's a risk. It's a real risk. Um, but the Utah Phoenix stuff, I just don't. How much? How many of that then realistically to get Aiden? How many of your current assets are you giving up? to get him because I, I guess you could make the case as I just did and I wouldn't buy it, but that Utah having Aiton plus a bunch of other firsts and then Mitchell, maybe still some expiring contracts to work with on the trade market. That's an interesting position. Aiton is still, he's much younger than Gobert. at the same time. I'd rather just have these picks and a bunch of cap flexibility moving forward, especially I'm not making any move along the lines of let's give up first to maximize this time with Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell isn't committed like I need to know he's here for at least the next two, like to finish out this contract at least. And you can never make that promise as of right now. He has his player option in 2025, 2026. So he has three more seasons of under team control. We know how this works out now with, with pre-agency, the trade demand, if it's coming, it'll come maybe in 2024. Um, like when he's going into the final year before his player option, 
it's probably going to come two seasons or in the middle of 2023, 2024. So unless he's committed to staying with you, I'm not making anything like more like I'm not skewing win now in any type of move. I'd rather have the picks, even though Aiton's young, technically fits a rebuilding timeline. I also buy into Aiton having a more expansive offensive role than I think most others do. I still think he needs long-term a really good lead guard next to him. I recognize that he made a lot of improvement with his, with his hook shots. He can have really nice touch around the basket. I do think there's more face-up stuff um, to plumb with him, but as sort of an offensive hub or a co-hub, I don't know that I'm there yet. We need to see him play with more overall self-sustaining thrust on a more consistent basis before we go that far. Um, I do think we've covered about everything here about this trade. If anyone else has any further questions about it, uh, there are still a bunch of you in here. You could throw it in the chat. Chris says, my point is when you add names to those picks, they become less valuable. And I agree with, I agree with you, Chris, that there's the car driving off the lot effect there. Um, that is not going to happen for a lot of these picks for a good many years. And that's the appeal of them. And so I already said, I don't know if you were here for this, that the Wolves were never going to sign anyone as good as Gobert in free agency. That's one, they're not a, that desirable market. And two, that's not how free agency works anymore. Players are signing extensions. And so they're either getting traded and that's how you're getting a quarterstone or a star or whatever, or you're drafting them. And the Wolves are in a situation where right now, even if they fail, they're not going to be in the typical cornerstone territory in the draft. So that's why you give up so many picks to get Gobert. My question is, was this the right move to go all in on? I don't, it, there's a chance. I just said, I think the ceiling on this is incredibly high and people are probably already a little too low on it. But I do think it has the, the ability to implode during the playoffs. And I outlined why, um, if you want to listen to the rest of this video when it goes up permanently or uh, check out Hardwood Knox, the actual podcast, this will go up as a podcast. Um, I just think offensively, what if defense is ignoring Gobert during the playoffs or teams will go after the front court more um, opposing offenses will go after the front court more by downsizing in the playoffs. And what does that do to towns defensively? Do you're all of a sudden in a position where you have to bench one or the other and most likely be Gobert because of how valuable towns is on offense. I don't, I think it's very much TBD. I don't think the wolves are losers. I said that it's not a risk I would have been willing to take. And, um, I'm I'm I think I'm just more risk averse here, but I am probably more optimistic on the Gobert Towns pairing. People who are acting like Towns never play with a big or in this similar role. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt was basically a big on offense last year. So that's like that's gonna be fine. I have no I I'm really not worried about it on offense. I think between those two, it's fine. Maybe the rest of the roster, depending on how you feel after you get past um D'Lo and Anthony Edwards, how do you feel about your secondary ball handlers and shooting? That for sure is is a risk. So that's just what I was saying, Chris. Um, the development of McDaniels, yeah, it does seem like they might have paid a premium here to keep Jaden McDaniels, whom I love. Uh, he is super fast twitch on defense. They seem to very much also view him as a pure three. Um, if not, maybe even play some two if Anthony Edwards is your point guard in certain lineups. And that, I think, went into a lot of the thought process behind why do we want to pair Carl Anthony Towns with a bigger body. And so if you're paying an extra tax to keep Jaden McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels better, um, and I mean a tax in draft picks, not the actual luxury tax, um, then you you better 100% uh, hope that he pans out. Uh, Clovis Neococo said, Jazz got a James Harden-like haul from the T-Wolves. Uh, they didn't get that much, but they got a lot more than I thought they were going to get, is all I was going to say. Uh, JP asked, what starts the Jazz pair with Mitchell if they plan on keeping him? Oh, shit. I don't even think I've given consideration to that question. Um, man, who's like, who even realistically is a star right now that would come available? You want him with Kevin Durant? I'm mostly, I'm kidding there. Uh, I'd be interested if things kind of, you know, hit the fan 
Um, Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell would be highly interesting. I don't love that defensively, nor should, should anybody else, but that is a route they could go. I'm just trying to figure like potential stars that are available or could become available down the line. I don't think Chris Middleton is high end enough here. Um, I don't think OKC is ever Shea Gilgis Alexander would be almost perfect, but OKC based off the way they consolidated picks into Usman Jang. And I, I know they weren't great first round picks. They do seem to be thinking more in like not immediate, but near term um, lines of thinking. So there's that. I just, I don't see the other star that's going to become available right now. You can make a case for higher end players if they do, but like an OG Ananobi would be perfect in Utah is young enough to where maybe you can justify the opportunity cost there. Uh, if anyone has any star suggestions for Mitchell, you could definitely throw them in the chat. I think the what's interesting here is like the star market trade market was sort of barren entering the offseason, and it's now playing out before our eyes. Where okay, Gobert's already off the board, and obviously that wouldn't work for Mitchell. Um, there were people holding out hope that Towns would reject an extension, and maybe that would make him available. I think even if he rejected it, he was going to roll the dice on getting a bigger extension if he made an All-NBA team next year when he could have extended for five out rather than four. So he was never, um, that was never going to happen. There were still people holding out hope for like Bradley Beal, Zach Levine to maybe consider sign and trade scenarios. I think Beal is probably going to be like one of the next guys that just become available because I don't, I don't think Washington is going to figure it out, even though they're super flexible. Um, and I don't think we need to troll him for taking the money and staying. And I think Washington's flexible enough where if they're going to give this a year or two to see where they're at, but I could see him among like, there are people who are still waiting on Devin Booker among the Booker, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal types, the towns, like the names that people were sort of trying to watch. I think Beal's the next one to go there. Paul free did say, I think Spider and Brandon Ingram would be nasty, but you need new Orleans to not actively be looking to, um, to win and like they're about to get Zion back after just giving the Suns all they can handle in the the first round of the playoffs. So I don't think they're a team that's gonna be looking to shed a star, which makes this so difficult. Uh JP said Beal and Mitchell would be so bad defensively. And I wouldn't advocate for them doing that. I'd advocate for Levine uh, more so than Beal. I trust Levine's shooting on the perimeter off the dribble a little bit more, but that would be a terrible defensive pairing. And when you get to the point where they're available, do you like we're talking about guys who Levine will be approaching 30, Beal will be in his 30s. Um, what I will say, I used to fancy myself someone who could project these next names to become available, but looking at what happened in Brooklyn over the past year where James Harden wanted out, Kevin Durant wants out now, Kyrie Irving's trying to force his way to the Lakers. I'm not even going to pretend that I can project it anymore. For all I know, you know, Kawhi or Paul George could get pissed off with the Clippers at some point. I don't know why their franchise is pretty well run. What if the Sixers after getting the Rockets, the 2018, 2019 Rockets back together around Joel Embiid, what if they rankle him? Um, he only has uh, like, maybe he's the next, next player to decide to, he has like his extension. So he's under contract for a time. Maybe he's the next player to agitate out, not predictions. Just, I clearly have no, uh, now you're bad, Paul. Fuck it. I'm just saying those are the stars that could become available. Um, I would not, I would not Beal and Levine would not be on my list. I just, I can't think of the next stars to agitate out, but that's part of this process is develops over the year and the unpredictable happens. I'm going to leave it there because I have real work to do surrounding this trade. This was great. If this is anyone's first time checking us out, please consider throwing us that permanent subscription. I'm not always alone, but for the emergency ones, I am. I'm going to be alone a lot of times. Subscribe to us on YouTube or check out our podcast. Um, join our Discord, the links to which is in the podcast description and the YouTube channel. Um, 
JP didn't want to squeeze in. What do you think of the Blazer signings today? Peyton the second re-signing Nurkic. Um, I talked about Peyton on the day one wrap-up pod. Really smart signing by the Blazers. I don't care that they're small. Um, they have a lot of defenders now. And Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Gary Payton the second. I would absolutely play all three of those guys in a smaller lineup with Dame and Anthony Simons. I'm also a little bit of a sicko with small ball units. Nurkic, it could be an overpay. It could be market value. If you're judging it against the Mitchell Robinson $60 million contract, and that's all guaranteed, it's fine. Nurk is a really valuable offensive player. And if you're still going to let him stay and drop, he's a fine rim protector. Um, and definitely during the regular season, if you're asking him to do more complicated stuff in the playoffs, it gets iffy. love the Peyton signing, love the Blazers off season overall. I think actually the Nurkic contract is the biggest risk that they took, which says a lot about how I view Anthony Simons. Um, and, but I think that's good if that's your biggest risk because Nurk will be solid for the regular season. Um, but yeah, if this is your first time checking us out, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Check out the podcast. Uh, means a lot to everyone who came here and joined us. Let us know word of mouth if you enjoyed it. Uh, recommend it to friends, family members, acquaintances, randos on the internet. If you're on Twitter, help us retweet our promos. All our socials and links are in the podcast description, both on YouTube and in um, the actual podcast player. We end every episode if you're here for the first time. As always, with a shout out to the one, the only, the conference finalist, the next star that Utah should try and pair with Donovan Mitchell, Frank Neelakine.